This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 77 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. Today, we welcome Ben Walsh from the band Tiger's Jaw. They are one of my favorite bands from the current scene today. Ben and I discuss how the band started in Pennsylvania, traversing through the genres and the current independent scene. We also chat about some bands that Ben thinks we should check out. And of course, what's next for Tiger's Jaw? If you're up for supporting Washed Up Emo, you can head to washedupemo.com and click on the Patreon link. Or buy some emo-related merch at washedupemo.threadless.com, including men's, women's, kids, and even artwork. That was funny to say. Finally, if you want to leave a nice review on iTunes, that always helps the cause. Thanks for listening. This is episode 77 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Ben from Tiger's Jaw. Hello? Hello, is this Ben? Hey, Tom, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. It is so nice outside. Oh, it's amazing. I'm uh, I'm actually on my family vacation right now. So oh, are I'm you? At the Jer- I'm at the Jersey Shore, so it's very nice. Oh, because I, I was thinking like, oh shit, he agreed to do this at one. It's probably like super nice out and he's just waiting to go outside. But you're already in the vacation world. Yeah, I'm I'm good to go. I'll, you know, and I'm, I'm way more productive when I'm in like a, I don't know. This is like my favorite place in the world, so. Oh, cool! I, I love it. Yeah. So, I'm, ha- so I'm, 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 I'm definitely happy to talk here right. more so than anywhere else. All right, perfect. And what is it? Your family's place? Your your place? Have you always no, been going there? I, we've always been going here, but uh, we don't we don't own a place. We just rent. Um, I feel like maybe years ago we probably should have started just you know, slowly buying the place. But, um, but anyway, we, we just rent, uh, over the course of two weeks. And my mom is, has a really big family. So we spent a, uh, 
I think for the past 50 some years since my grandparents uh, started going here. Yeah. That is tradition. Oh, it definitely is. It's uh, Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Um, It's a great place. Very cool. And so you, uh, now, you grew up in Pennsylvania, correct? I did, in Scranton. And what's the big city near there? Is it Scranton? Yeah, that's it, Scranton. So for you guys, I mean, for you growing up was, you know, for punk rock or things or was it, did you start hearing about shows and started to, you know, figure out things? Was it someone giving you like a no effects CD? Like, right. Um, well, Scranton in the, uh, in the early to mid two thousands had a budding ska punk scene. Um, and sort of like a, like a bar rock, like alternative scene. Uh, and then down in Wilkes-Barre, there was more of like a hardcore punk scene. Um, so I was like vaguely aware of, you know, those three. Um, and I'm trying to think my, my cousins, um, uh, some of my cousins had like, I don't know when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of like, we didn't have a computer until very late. And, um, you know, but my, my parents were a little bit stricter about something. So like we would go over to my cool cousin's house and, um, you know, they had, they had like Napster on their computer. So, I would like, you know, buy blank CDs and just go over there and copy, you know, anything I could, anything that, you know, the first like 10 seconds of the track sounded good. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. So, uh, I I found some, like some of the more mainstream, like, like Blink-182 and and stuff, um, through there. Um, and then I became aware of, uh, like sort of emerging from the, art scene in Scranton. There was like this group of bands that, uh, were sort of like, like really, um, theatrical sort of indie bands. And, uh, my cousin actually played bass for one. Uh, they were called the swims and, uh, they were really awesome. They were like a power pop sort of, uh, band, like garage rock power pop sort of band. Um, and they played a lot with this band called okay. Patty who was like kind of like perfect middle ground between pavement and Weezer. Mm-hmm. Um, so these two, these two bands were on this uh, Scranton indie label called prison jazz. Um, so I, I went to see them when I was like 14 or 15 and I was like, this is amazing. I love this and I want to do this. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like I, I started playing drums first and, uh, I uh, met some people like kind of when the, when the ska punk scene sort of di- was dying out. Uh, Thank the last God. Couple bi- <laughs> well, I'm kidding. Some of us, so, some of us remember it more fondly. I have, I always had a longstanding <laughs> joke with many, many people about it. I'm actually a huge less than Jake fan. Uh, all of yeah. It's just, there's like this one part where um, it's uh it just got so comical to me um but yes they sure. had a they 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 had a moment in time <laughs> it's definitely a wacky genre yes. it's definitely like like a silly sort of genre but there there were some really good uh some really good bands um and it led to a lot of the bands that i you know am friends with or or even have played music with um so at, out of that scene there was a band called Bob and the Saggots who 
went on to become the Menzingers. And ah, there was a band. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they, they tapered off a lot of their uh, ska influence and, uh, you know, focused in on more of the punk side of things. Uh, and there was a band called Cosmos um, that, you know, sort of led into Tiger's Jaw, my band, and uh, the band Captain Were Sinking, um, which is another prison jazz, or sorry, another prison jazz, uh, Run For Cover Records band. Um, so a lot of this, like the, the music scene was, you know, there's a lot of people playing in multiple bands, um, like Tiger's Jaw and Captain Were Sinking started around the same time. And like, there was a time where uh, myself and Adam, formerly of Tiger's Jaw, were also playing in Captain Were Sinking. Um, so we, we, you know, sort of started this little, you know, punk scene essentially out of the ashes of the, the ska scene. And and that was high school or. Yeah. So it would have been like, uh, yeah, 2005. Uh, we started Tiger's Jaw at the very, very end of 2005. So I would have been like 16. That's crazy. Um, yeah, we just realized that Tiger Shaw has been a band for over 10 years, uh, which that's is mind-blowing. Mind uh, yeah, it's been awesome. And then, I mean, that's, I mean, again, these scenes come out of scenes, and I think when you're outside of a big city, you're yeah. more apt to be creative or not care. Um, yeah, I don't know if one or the other. Yeah, I don't think a theatrical indie rock band would survive in a big city very well. But if you've got a bunch of weird kids from a bunch of, you know, suburbs and towns, that's going to seem really cool. And you're probably going to experiment more. That was probably really inspiring to see that. Oh, absolutely. It was great. Um, and so our like big aspirations for starting Tiger's Jaw was to release something on this, uh, on this label called prison jazz, which at the time seemed like, you know, if we could do that, we, you know, that would be the biggest thing ever. And, uh, you know, little did we know there is, you know, a couple guys, uh, you know, ordering CDs, uh, you know, selling them out of their, out of their apartment. Like it was, so it couldn't have been a smaller operation. Uh, but eventually they, they, they did put out, uh, our self-titled album on CD, um, kind of right, right before they stopped actually being a label. But, uh, but it was like this big, like accomplishment for us. We were so pumped about it and, um, it was like kind of like uh, I don't know. It's it sort of like that was like the, one of the first uh, like when the first people outside of Scranton actually started paying attention to our band. So it was it was kind of a cool thing. What were some of those first things? Was it trading shows? Was it hey, we heard you? This is really cool. Yeah. We're going to write about you. Um. So we we've branched out very, very slowly, but surely like we, there weren't many venues when we were first starting. There was, um, there was this art gallery in downtown Scranton called test pattern. And, uh, it was amazing. There were all sorts of different things that happened. Um, and they would do shows sometimes and, you know, gallery openings and uh, dance parties and all, all sorts of different things. And, um, you know, we were really young, but like we, we would go to shows there all the time and became friends with the people that ran it. And, uh, they, you know, eventually just let us start booking our own shows there. And, uh, you know, we would print up flyers and, um, you know, 
pass them around wherever wherever we could and hang them up. And uh, you know, there there was a you know a couple of summers where we would do shows there, and there'd be you know over a hundred kids there, and it was like the it was amazing, like how so many kids would show up, and um, and so that was sort of like we we would book our shows there, and then you know we would find out about friend, uh, you know bands on MySpace or whatever that were sort of from the area, and we would kind of do show trades with them, and um, we. That was around the time we met the guys from Tidal Fight, which was, uh, they were from like the Kingston, Wilkes-Barre area, which is close to Scranton, but, you know, driving a half hour away to play a show was, you know, a big deal to us at the time. Um, and then there was also another, another small town called Tamaqua that was like an hour south of Scranton. And uh, we had met this band called the Mother Daughter Team. Um, who eventually uh, started a band called uh, Kite Party later on. Mm-hmm. Um, two really awesome bands. Um, and they had like a, like a community center in, in Tamakwa that they were able to do shows at. So we started doing show trades with them. Um, and then uh, eventually in the summer of 2008, uh, us, and, us and Title Fight uh, did like a, a pretty small tour. Um, so that was kind of how we, well, actually the year before that, we did also a very, very small tour with some of the bands from that prison jazz label. But, um, I'm pretty sure there was only one show that happened that people actually showed up <laughs> where we weren't just playing to like the sound guy. Um, but I think, I think that having those experiences are, is the most important thing for a band, like starting out, like to kind of like get kicked around for the first couple of tours and then like you know slowly build up momentum that that's actually something that i love to hear because it seems you know a band will release a band camp and put up songs and just expect people to show up and i you kind of have to have again that that tour exactly where you show up and you're only playing for the sound guy for 10 shows of of 11 and that 11th show 10 kids show up and it's like the coolest thing and it keeps you moving on but that there was a time, I think, even in that those years, even the summer of 07, 08, 06, the punk rock scene knew what to do. They wanted to yeah. play pop punk. They wanted to sound like XYZ band, and that was how to do it. And you guys were right. kind of going that way. Were you feeling that at the time where a whole bunch of kids were not into, I mean, in essence, punk rock. I mean, I- independent punk rock. Um, I don't know. We, we were sort of like disconnected. We were sort of in our own world. Um, we, I mean, when, when our first, like our first CD came out and people were like actually writing reviews on it, they were, they were comparing us to bands that, um, at the time I had never, ever heard of before, like, like the anniversary and get up kids. Like I hadn't heard, I hadn't listened to those bands, um, you know, prior to the first record or two. Um, and so, uh, you know, we were really just, you know, f- like fumbling our way through being a band and, uh, you know, trying to do as much as we could. Like I remember on that, that first tour ever we played where we were supposed to play a show in Cincinnati and, um, we booked it through my, MySpace, I'm assuming. <laughs> and, uh, we show up at the place and no one's there. Um, 
I think it was like a, a shared art space and maybe some people lived above it. So like somebody was getting back to the place and we were like waiting outside and they were like, you know, who were, who are you and why are you here? And, uh, so we were like, well, we thought we were supposed to play here tonight. And they're like, no, there's, there's no show here tonight. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. So but there was like a, a full tour full of stuff like that happening. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. it was great. It was like, I mean, I, have vivid, great memories of, of that tour. Um, just, I don't know. It was my, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of traveling growing up. Like I would come here to Long Beach Island once a summer, you know, and that was kind of it. So it was just awesome to, to get out of, uh, Scranton or get out of Pennsylvania even for, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I had similar where I was sort of in a small market, didn't really have big shows, but then when you would go to a big city even if everything went wrong, it was still good. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, you guys were sort of in your own world and you probably didn't realize, but did you, I mean, were you, you said earlier about you kind of parents being strict, like, did you not have TV or fuse or MTV to kind of see what yeah, bands well, were playing? I wasn't, uh, I wasn't allowed to watch MTV when I was growing up. Um, how about fuse? Which is, which is funny. I didn't have it. I don't think it was part On of our cable. cable. Yeah. I don't think we had it. So, um, so yeah, I, I found out about bands, you know, through my cool cousins who were kind of allowed to do <laughs> more, yeah. uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I remember a, bi- a big moment for me was, um, I don't know, people used to like <laughs> list like their favorite bands in their, like, um, like their aim profiles and stuff totally. like that, or like, um, and my, one of my cousins was dating a guy that like played in a band and I thought that was really, really cool. And I like, I remember like kind of writing down some of the band names from his like aim profile that like sounded cool. And, uh, so I was familiar with a couple of band names and, um, one of them was, was saves the day. And I, uh, this was, this would have been right around the time that in reverie came out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know most people didn't discover saves the day through that record. It was, that was kind of like a, you know, a big change for most people, but that was how I discovered them. And, um, I, I was at a, like a borders, uh, like bookstore and they had like the CD section and, um, there's like the little area where you can listen to, you know, preview a CD or whatever. And I remember being familiar with that band name and seeing in reverie and I listened to it and I was like, you know, blown away by it. It was like, um, like I thought it was the best thing ever. And it's still to this day, it's probably my favorite album. Um, and you know, I, most people are like, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? That's, you know, that's not the one that everybody likes or whatever. But I think that it's, it's so great. Like the, the guitar playing, like the, the jazz chords, the, 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 all the lyrics are amazing. Like it's, it's such an awesome record. I actually, I think you finding that record at that time is, is really cool because in reverie is actually a lot of people like that record. And, Yes, you can say through being cool or can't can't slow down or um, anything else, you know, in their catalog. But it's like whenever someone gets to it at that point, and that's what was out. That's what was in Borders. Yeah. It's not like they had can't slow down right. sitting there. And so, right. I mean, did you from listening? Did you go back and did you go listen to the earlier stuff? Or I did, and I, honestly, I was like, I don't, I don't think I like this. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't sound like. Uh, I mean, in Stay What You Are has some elements of it. So I think yeah. at the time I was like, I, I like this one. But uh, the earlier stuff, I was like, 
it seemed like a step backwards from this, you know, it seemed like, you know, obviously it was like earlier stuff, but, um, just stylistically, it seemed like a step backwards from the stuff that I was kind of gravitating towards at the time. Um, now I, I sort of, you know, have a, a much better context for like what their records are in their, you know, in their discography, like, and chronologically, it makes a lot more sense. And I, I definitely have a huge appreciation for, you know, the earlier stuff too. Um, but I think too, you're but, sort of, you, the band changed. And I think everyone, when a band, I mean, it's almost similar to you guys where a band comes out and maybe you disagree, but like a band comes out and they, 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 they sound like X. And so everyone, mm-hmm. if it does really well, everyone wants it to sound like X every other record. And I want someone to go on a journey with a band like Chris Conley. Yeah. Who knows what his next record is going to be. And I actually <laughs> right. love that. And I same yeah, same great. with, you know, there's certain bands that, I mean, even hot water music had this little bit of transition in it and you kind of, kind of go with them. And there's this, you know, early reviews where it's like, it doesn't sound like X. And yeah, I really, why would a, I don't know. You want to, if you see a band's career, if it's, I mean, Bob Dylan, I mean, how many different genres did he play throughout his career? What if it, right. if it was only acoustic stuff? I think we'd be bored and moved on. So um, you kind of found them at an interesting point because you didn't be like, well, I want it to sound like Can't Slow Down because he right. was, Chris was kind of moving on. So, And then, you know, for you guys sort of tra- transitioning genres too, that's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to get better. Yeah, well, you're supposed you're you're going to have different influences. Like, I mean, uh, it's it's tough when people just get stuck with comparing a band to another band versus looking at a band, uh, you know, throughout their career. And I guess it's easier to do when when it's a bit, you know, as it's happening, like a, a current band as they're putting out records, you know, you, you do immediately compare to whatever came before. But I, I like being able to look back at a band's catalog and, and looking at the progression of things. And, and I do encourage, I know, you know, uh, some people have definitely come around to that in reverie, but I always encourage people like, if you didn't like it when it came out and haven't listened to it since, like go back and check it out. It's really good. Um, so, and, and that, that happens with a lot of bands, I think. Yeah. I was a, I was a hardcore kid and someone told me to get Texas is the reason and right. I was like, okay, cool, guy from Shelter, listen to it. I hated it. <laughs> I was in high school. I was like, what is this? I spent all this money. I they sent the record, and I hate it. And I don't know, four years later, I was like, this is the greatest thing. Like, you know, it just took yeah. – It was I wasn't ready. I was still a hardcore kid listening to, you know, Madball. Um, yeah, unfortunately. it hits you at the right time, and, <laughs> yeah. and then it makes sense. But you're t- but the I think you're completely right that it's like you look at that whole – discography yeah go back to it in five years um and or try or two years or six months whatever it is um yeah i think that's i think that's uh that that is a good lesson for everybody <laughs> i think so too and I, and I think that you can't expect a band to uh just you know if they sound like this like that they're always going to sound like this because that can get real boring for for a band you know and, and this is their livelihood this is their you know this is what they do so you know let them, let them do what the, you know what they feel fulfilled in doing because otherwise they would just be you know making the same music for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and I think too. I mean, I'm bringing up the the e word just because you guys were associated to it. Do you feel a sure. connection to it? There's obviously if it's Tiny Engines, Top Shelf, No Sleep, Run for Cover, all labels that you've sort of you know this scene itself. 
I almost I almost want to like uh you know put a mind trance on everybody and just be like uh this is just really good punk rock scene because yeah there's so many different sounds and there's so many different ways that everyone's playing together that it just it it it, it like I I've told this a ton of times it reminds me of the 90s it reminds me of you know, a hardcore band like Saves a Day would play with Earth Crisis. Like that's what right. you don't. You think of that now. You're like, how could that work? Uh, well, first someone looks up who Earth Crisis is, but then they <laughs> they realize what it sounds like, and they're like, how does that even work? How has it been with you guys in this uh, feeling that way, but then having this word hang over it um, that sort of everyone's trying to run away from? Well, I mean, in Scranton, we we would come up like playing you know, pretty mixed bill shows. Um, like there was, there was this amazing, uh, like grindcore band from Scranton called dead radical. And, um, they were like, they were amazing to watch. They were so crazy. Um, and so dynamic and they played so fast, but it was like really tight. And, um, like they would play, you know, with like the Menzingers with us and, you know, it would, it would just be like this, this wide variety of, of bands playing. And, uh, and then, you know, there were those type of, uh, you know, indie bands that, that were coming, uh, coming up out of, out of that prison jazz record scene too. So there was, there, you know, we came from, you know, it was a small scene, but it was, uh, you know, it was definitely a, a variety of, of sounds. Definitely. Um, so, so, you know, transitioning into the, the scene that we were sort of associated with now, um, you know, same sort of thing. Like it, there's, there's some intangible thing that, that connects these bands, but, um, you know, it, you, you just go from, from band to band. It's just such, such a vastly different sound. The other, I remember I, I was speaking to some guys that worked at labels like Vagrant and, um, at, epitaph and it was you sort of you could make the connection between certain bands uh you could make you could understand and it was just in the air and these people kind of talked like i don't see the connection between black veil brides and hot rod circuit i just don't see how those things connect yet a word connects them by a lot of people and genres are genres and everything to just be called rock anyway but people have to put things into genre as an independent yeah. scene. I don't see that those connections from the sort of the, the, you know, the, the pop era, um, it, there was probably the same punk rock sh- or the same basement shows, but it just, it, it seemed really derivative. And I think now it's almost, I don't know if I'm really going somewhere with this. I'm just trying to like, <laughs> an- I'm just trying to visualize it. You mean you guys were in it at that time and you might not have been aware of it, but there's this whole huge group of people that thought emo and punk was this when it was, that was more like the pop stuff, which is still connected, but it just seemed like you guys being away from it helped you uh, stay strong so much of like not have that influence of being like, shit, we have to do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, yeah, definitely. Like we, we were just, you know, I, I had like some sort of awareness that the, the music that we were writing early on was, was different than like the typical sort of like, uh, I don't know, 
like just regular straightforward punk in it. Mm-hmm. Ours was like a, our style was a little bit different, um, which sort of came from um, like Adam, uh, who played in Tiger Jaw, was you know very very much influenced by um, like more more indie stuff very early on, and we we listened to a lot of like the the K record stuff, like the microphones and Mount Erie and uh, Adrian Orange and Little Wings and like bands like are they're essentially solo acts of like kind of minimalist like acoustic weird indie pop sort of stuff and uh you know we were into like early of montreal uh which all this stuff is like very beatles derivative but um you know with more of like a garage rock sort of spin um so we we had like this wide array of of influences but it was channeled through you know pretty much the physical ability to only play like some sort of version of punk rock. Like we were like, we weren't like, you know, uh, I guess musically sophisticated enough to like write music in the style of the stuff that we were listening to. Um, so we fell somewhere in the middle, I guess. I mean, the, you mentioned the microphones, which is, I believe the, the name, the band's name referenced, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lyric that, uh, mentions a, t- a tiger's jaw and that's where the, the band name came from. Yeah. I, l- I love it. It's, it's, it's not an earth crisis lyric. Um, oh, is it? no, I'm joking. I'm just, I'm making, oh, it's not I'm, a- <laughs> I, no, I, 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 I try to have jokes for the older people and the newer people. So that, that, that was, that, that was for the old crowd. Um, and, uh, I mean the, I was thinking about the Menzingers and I would just, you guys have had a long relationship with them. And, um, I mm-hmm. think if I was, if I was 16 and I heard the Menzingers, I think I would buy every single thing they ever put out in as a merch item. I would be scratching it on my notebooks like this. That band gets me so stoked. They're, they're one of the best current bands I would say. And, and it was awesome to see them transition. So I think right around the time, like, uh, that ska was dying out. Like they still obviously had this love for bands like the clash and mm-hmm. like the earlier punk bands. And then, uh, against me and bands like smoker fire and the Lawrence arms started like kind of popping up on their radar. And so they, they sort of channeled this sort of ska punk style into now these more like kind of grittier punk bands. Um, you know, and, and the the result was, you know, the Menzingers and Captain Were Sinking, two two amazing bands. Yeah, they're just again, it's if anyone hasn't listened to them out there, please do. Uh it's it's um it's anthems on top of anthems. <laughs> it's it's great. It's feel good. It's feel good music. It's awesome. Uh very energetic, very dynamic. <laughs> uh you know, you've done a lot of really cool tours. I've, you know, I was actually kind of just looking through a bunch of the um, ones and thinking about if it was, you know, Newfound Glory and Yellow Card, Foxing, Somos, Basement, or you know, doing a split with Kevin. You know, through all of those, um, you know, did any of those bands sort of bestow wisdom onto you, or did you feel like you taught them something, maybe about a social network or something to use? Like, was there any sort of back and forth that you remember from? If it was a smaller band or a bigger band, well, um, the the tours that you just referenced were sort of 
just within the past couple of years, like since we've taken the band full time, um, prior to that, like we, we were all in school still. And, uh, you know, we would tour very minimally kind of like when we would have like, you know, summer break or winter mm-hmm. break. And that was really it. So, um, you know, only in the past couple of years have we really been able to start touring a lot more. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't do some of the typical things that a band would do, such as, you know, play, uh, on a lot of support tours early on to kind of get in front of more people. We, you know, we always had this weird schedule that never was compatible with, you know, another tour that was, was kind of happening. And I'm sure Merrick, our booking agent loved us for that. Cause it was always like, okay, do what you can with these two weeks that we all have free. And, you know, he would be like, all right. And throw together what he could. And it always ended up being amazing. Um, but, you know, doing that, doing that yellow card and found glory tour. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. And, and, I'm so thrilled that we did it because it was, it was a really cool experience, um, you know, put us in front of, you know, people that like, there's definitely, you, you know, there's a fair amount of young people in the crowd, but there, there, we were playing to an older crowd who, you know, maybe doesn't keep an eye out for bands that are sort of, you know, underground still that are current. Um, so it was funny. We would, we would sell a lot of CDs at those shows and we would get, people asking like, Oh, do you guys like people who hadn't seen like the merch table be like, Oh, do you guys have like a demo or something? And, and, you know, sort of have to laugh and be like, well, we've actually been a band for kind of a while, but, uh, you know, but it's, it's just funny how, uh, you know, you, you play outside of the scene that you're used to. And there's just these fundamental differences that are pretty interesting. I actually Um, love that. I mean, the, you guys, I mean, what I meant earlier, I mean, the last two years of your touring, it was, it was sort of, it's sort of taken off. And I think you, yeah, you were doing those things around school and now that it's, it's full time. But I think I kind of love in that two years, you've been able to do that without doing those support tours, which a lot of bands have to do. Uh, and, sure. and those, those, you know, I mean, I was just talking to the dudes in Gates and they did a thrice tour and it was all these new kids that had never mm-hmm. seen them before and were like stoked and wanted to buy stuff. And, and I think that was great because there is a kid in there that does want to know and maybe doesn't have, maybe he doesn't have MTV to watch or doesn't, right. you know, I'm not saying you guys, but I like, he doesn't have those outlets to find what's going on. And you probably got so many fans because you guys sound a little different and um, it made sense for newfound glory too, because yeah. you wanted to get someone else to kind of bring in new fans on your side. Sure. And, and, um, going back to what you were asking about, like kind of learning from bands or, you know, imparting wisdom or whatever touring with the newfound glory was a great, like those guys are, are endlessly generous and kind. And, um, it's, you know, pretty inspiring to see a, a band with a career as long as theirs. And they're putting just as much energy into performing, performing the, the new songs as they are like the, the classics, you know, they, I think, they would open with a new song on that tour and, and, you know, people would be just as energetic during those songs as, as some of the, uh, you know, some of the older songs. And it was just like really inspiring to see them, uh, you know, after all these years, like they've, they, they've got families and they've got, you know, they're just still, they're just making it work in such a way and they don't have like any sort of attitude about them. And, um, it was just really cool because they they were they were one of the first bands like punk bands that I got into, 
And uh, so it sort of came full circle when we got asked to do that tour. I was like, this this would be awesome. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. The uh, I've told this story before, but two seconds. The only reason I bought Newfound Glory's CD at the record store um, because because Chad was in Shy Halud. And I love Shy Halud so much, I figured I got to love Newfound Glory. And I got the record being like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like they wrote yeah. like anthem, like they wrote like huge pop punk anthems. This is going to be rad. And you're totally right. Like I think I got to, you know, if it was a basement show they did, it was the same energy as when I saw them at some, you know, if it was a big venue with a thousand room cap. You're right. It's the same exact thing. And that is a true thing that comes through and you don't say it. It's just your persona. And I, I think. I pick up on it. I think other kids pick up on it, that that's real. Um, yeah. And I think it's partly why they're still going. I think so. Let's, let, let's hope Newfound Glory doesn't stop. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, they're, they're still, I mean, I've just, I just heard that they're going to be doing another record soon. So that's great. How could they not? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then when you guys, uh, when the, when the band decided to continue on, um, as a two piece, um, you know, was that, and this was me thinking outside of looking at it being like, was that to be more experimental with members and be able to kind of work on things and have people come on tour that were different? What was the, some of the reasonings? Um, I mean, you did describe this all online, but just sort of a, like, were there other things that you didn't think came from it? Sure. Yeah, we, we did our best to describe it online, but it definitely sort of got out of our hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in 2013, um, three of the, three of the band members decided to part ways with the band. And, um, it was kind of right on the cusp of us doing a lot of touring and, and recording, uh, what was our most recent full length called Charmer. Um, so it was a very chaotic time. Um, and Brianna and I had to make a lot of pretty, uh, pretty important decisions pretty quickly. So we knew that we wanted to, like the shows were booked. We knew that we wanted to play the tours. Um, unfortunately we had to cancel some European tour dates, but we kept all the, uh, all the U S dates and all the UK dates. And, uh, uh, and we, um, we got some, some of the guys from balancing composure played for us for that tour. Um, and obviously we knew like they weren't going to be able to be like, you know, permanent members by any mm-hmm. means. And we also weren't trying to like rush to fill the spots. Cause like our band had been the same group of people for so long. And we had always done things in such a way that like, you know, we only do it if it feels right. So rushing to replace people with other new permanent people just didn't feel like the right move. So, um, and also, um, we needed to, like, we knew we didn't want to cancel any, any, or cancel the U S tour and the UK shows. Um, but we had to, we had to see if it still felt right. If it still felt like the same band, if it still, you know, was as enjoyable to us, um, you know, basically like, is this still going to be and feel like the same band? And, um, you know, that tour ended up being amazing. And, you know, the, the support that people showed us and, you know, people were like, you know, you, you gotta keep doing this. And I was like, well, I mean, I want to keep doing this. I just need to 
you know, make sure it still feels right. And, um, you know, and it, and it did. And I think that, um, that it was a shocking big change at the time, but now it seems like a pretty natural thing. Um, everybody's still doing what they want to be doing. And Brianna and I continued with the band and we've had, uh, sort of a rotating cast over the past couple of years. And, uh, it's, you know, we've, we've been getting more consistent with people because initially it was just people that we knew who already played in bands and we can't expect them to, you know, try to be in two full-time bands because it's really tough to do that when your band is at this sort of level. Um, so we've just kind of been taking it as it comes, doing things organically, um, you know, gravitating towards people that are fun to be around and, you know, a good, a good source of positive energy. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's been working out really well for us and, you know, I'm not, uh, hopefully we can, you know, gravitate towards more of a solid lineup, uh, in the future, but, um, and I think we're getting towards it, but, um, but we just didn't want to rush into, you know, a different a lineup of new people that, you know, might've turned out to be not the right fit or, you know, or whatever. So, and then I think that opens it up to, uh, different sounds and different, different energies between people. Um, it's kind of Definitely. exciting. Yeah, it was, it was really exciting. It was like a, a, a breath of fresh air sort of put back into the band, um, at a really crucial time, like right when we were really starting to tour a lot. So it was definitely really cool. And, you know, I definitely miss playing music with, uh, with the guys that used to play in the band. Um, but I'm, you know, they're still making music and I'm, I'm thrilled for them and I'm always a fan of the stuff that they're doing. So, it's uh everything's good rad and then the um i mean i think to one part about being a band now which a lot of bands back in the day didn't have to deal with with all the you know social and updating and profiles and how have how have you sort of had a love-hate relationship with it or something that was natural or well when when that whole transition happened um we we made a post that was sort of a little bit ambiguous. And at the time I thought that would be a good idea. So like, cause, cause if, you know, if we did the tour and with, you know, with people filling in and it didn't like it flopped, like it didn't feel right. And, and I'm not saying flopped in terms of like people coming out or not, if it didn't feel right to us and it didn't feel like the same band or the same enjoyment or the same connection with the songs, um, then then it would have been really hard to keep going as, as the band. And very, very fortunately that wasn't the case at all. And you know, it's still the thing I loved him the most and same with Brianna. And, um, you know, I hope I can keep making music for, you know, forever. But, um, it, we posted something about, you know, these are our last shows for the foreseeable future, meaning like we need to sort some stuff out to make sure that this is all right. And, um, and I, for some reason I thought that was like good wording and that was like, that would sort of cover it, whether we, you know, whether we started, to, you know, touring again soon after that or took a little more time or, or whatever. Um, but the internet sort of went with it and, and a lot of people assumed that it meant we were breaking up. So then on that tour, a lot of the promoters of the shows started billing the shows as like, Tiger Shaw's final, you know, whatever show. Tiger Shaw's final New York show, final this show. 
And by the time we realized that that's what was happening, like they never, we never told them to say that. And our booking agent never told them to say that, but it was, you know, it was everywhere. Every, you know, it was on every flyer. And we were like, that's, that's not what we said. Like, you know, and we, we didn't want it to be like, like we've never done things like, I don't know, in a way where we're like, oh, well, if we bill it this way, maybe we'll, maybe more people will come out or we'll sell more tickets or whatever. Like that was ne- like, that was never, ever even a thought. Um, you know, we just had to figure out things on the, on a personal end, like if this still felt right and everything. Um, so the internet was tough in that regard. And then also when people were like sort of accusatory about like, oh, you just did this for publicity or something like that. Like this was a huge significant change in, in my personal life and, you know, people that I spent the most time with. So it wasn't any sort of like publicity thing or, or anything. So it was, it was kind of weird seeing people's take on it and being like, that, that's not it at all. But, you know, as soon as you hit people... send, it's, it's <laughs> almost like it goes off and there's no way to take it back. And that's what yeah. I mean, that sort of love-hate relationship with it where, yes, I can get, and someone from the UK can hear me right now, but also you're right. totally, I mean, you explained it perfectly. Like, you, there's nothing you can do because someone's going to take it, and you're like, no, that's not what I meant, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're always, you're always going to offend somebody. You're always yes. going to confuse somebody. It's, it's tough. It's really tough when, you know, when things can get misconstrued and you're just, feel like you're always playing like you know you're the cleanup crew trying to like go back and explain everything so i don't know if there's like a stress that comes along with it but but the internet has definitely done a lot of great things for for music too yeah oh yeah definitely oh man i mean if i had this back then or i'm sure anyone would want it uh in history would want to have this much be able to i mean there's more people listening to music than ever there's a access to it there's it's not you know you're not waiting you can you can listen to many things as you want but that sort of did I mean from those from that did you guys sort of are you more reserved with with social are you more like wait a minute are you kind of rethinking things or are you sort of more relaxed again where all right I can post things or I can be more open or is it sort of you kind of had that wall put up um you know it's tricky because and I will say that I I'm really glad that we started as a band sort of right before mm-hmm. like that era really took hold of music. Like, you know, we had a MySpace and whatever, but like for the first, you know, years, a couple of years of our band, we were still like printing out flyers and, you know, putting on basement shows and, and stuff like that without much assistance from the internet. Now it's, you know, you, you're so reliant on the internet where, you know, that's how people find out about shows and that's how people find out about bands and everything. So I'm, I'm really glad for our earlier experiences without that. Um, so we've sort of had to adapt to it as it sort of took off. Um, but, but yeah, we, we use a, we use a lot of the, you know, social media sites and everything now. And like, you know, we run them, like we don't have management. Um, you know, we don't have somebody running our socials like we, we do them. And, and I think that our fans kind of recognize that, you know, and they get like sort of a personal uh, feel from it, which is uh, one of the cool things about the Internet sort of connecting, you know, the artists and, and the fans. 
which is it changes every day because what's what what was was my space is now facebook is now snapchat is now whatever the hell's next and it's that right. constant um being able to talk in that certain dialogue and but that through that all you be yourself and you're fine i think it's, it's when people try and act a different way uh for each thing or, perce- or i'm perceived as something else that that's when you can see right through it yeah bands that are more 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 image concerned than you know music concerned i, I guess yeah um i mean for you guys is there anything that um you know in your in your rolodex of haven't done yet are there things that you're sort of dreaming about or wanting to do with the band um yeah there's still places that we haven't toured yet that i would love to go um japan is definitely a big one mm-hmm. um we finally got to go to australia last summer which was like one of the coolest experiences ever um we i don't know we've we, we've never played a whole bunch of like the cool festivals um which i guess most bands have love-hate relationships with but um, but we're doing like Riot Fest later in the year, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, just like I don't know, operating as a full time band is still an exciting new thing for us. So, mm-hmm. um, so it, it all feels great. It all feels fun, and you know, I, you know, I, I'm I'm excited for well, you know everything to come. And then, is there anything else you want to let people know what you're you're working on or what things are? in the mix obviously you don't need to give it anything away that you don't want to but anything sort of that you guys are working on now that people would be stoked to hear about sure um well at this point i can say that um we've we've done a whole lot of writing for a new album um which we should be posting more information about soon i'm not exactly sure when this will go up but um but we're gonna start recording some stuff soon uh that i'm really excited about so um that's why we have been sort of quiet in the past couple of months and we don't have a lot of touring booked because we're, we're focusing on, uh, on new music. I like that. See, when a band doesn't tour, don't, don't, don't yell, come to Brazil. Yell, <laughs> go to the studio. <laughs> yeah. And then that restarts the whole, the whole thing. So yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited. Um, you know, we've, since we've, you know, since we haven't released a record, uh, with a you know with a full time touring schedule behind it, except for the last record, which which sort of was so affected by the the, the lineup change and everything that it it sort of um, you know took away some of the focus in in my mind from it. It'll be really cool for me to release an album and plan everything out really really nicely and and you know tours all the places that we want to tour to and um, I'm just kind of excited for seeing how the like a, a typical rollout. album cycle actually yeah a typical rollout actually actually works uh, you know up until this point things have been pretty unconventional for us <laughs> so so let's hope for tiger's jaws sake you guys just have a normal rollout no drama <laughs> just, <laughs> just... <laughs> that would be that would be great i i'm hoping but you know it, it might uh, we'll, we'll take things as they come we've we've had weird stuff happen and we've adapted to it and it's kind of become part of part of how we do things so i'm excited for whatever happens do you think there's any bands uh that people should be checking out or listening to in the world today definitely um i think that first off i one of the most criminally uh you know 
underhyped bands ever is the Sidekicks, and uh, you know, criminally underappreciated, I should say. And uh, they're a band from Ohio. They're you know one of my favorite bands ever, and I think they're so awesome. And uh, not enough people are are listening to them or talking about them. Um, and I've I've been I've been living in Philly for the past uh, year or so, and there's a lot of great bands um, coming up through sort of like um, a scene that's sort of centered around a label called Lamo Records. And uh, there's uh, like th- uh, Three Man Cannon, uh, who has some, some uh, guys that I used to play with in, in Tiger's Jaw. And I maintain that they're one of the best bands ever in the world, uh, Three Man Cannon. Um, but there's there's some great like like indie sort of punk bands in Philly, like uh, like Thin Lips and Hurry, um, Sun Organ, there's a band called Spirit of the Beehive. I think that's working with Jade Tree now. Um, Cave People, Lowercase Roses, and Cherry. Um, some of my friends' bands that are doing really, really cool things. Um, yeah, so stylistically, a lot of those bands might be kind of different from what the listeners of, of this podcast might be, uh, you know, kind of into, but uh, definitely worth checking out. What's now Thin Lips? What did they just do? They just did the. Um... Uh, they were just out with Modern Baseball. Yeah, which, which maybe that. Yeah, I think a lot of people either had mentioned to me that hey, the tour was great, but holy shit, Thin Lips. Yeah, they they are incredible. Um, I I got to see. There's this great venue in uh, in Philly that's actually like a batting cage. It's called Everybody Hits. No way! And, uh, that's a great name for a batting yeah. cage. Oh, it's the best. And the guy Dave the guy Dave that runs it is is awesome and kinda lets you know, lets anything happen there. Like lets a lot of great shows happen there. Um and the Stim Lips uh put out a record called Wrist Hard uh a couple weeks back and they did their record release there and it was awesome. They they were so, so good. That's right. I mean uh, and Philly, um is a great place. I mean, that was a lot of the stuff in 09 and 10 when I started kind of hearing that there was bands that actually played, um, you know, some really interesting punk rock that it was coming from Philly. Um, yeah. And to kind of have this happen again. I mean, yesterday I was just talking to the dudes in Jank. Um, you know, that's a whole other thing. Like, it just, it's cool that there's all these things happening um, for for Philly and it's a lot of people are listening and watching. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's R five productions that are putting yep. putting out a lot of great punk shows. Uh, there's the Guild, who um, you know kind of puts on a lot of those bands that I had mentioned. Like have like sort of a, a scene, and uh, there's a couple of venues such as the Batting Cages or Kung Fu Necktie or places like that where the Guild puts on a lot of great shows too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a lot of like a lot of kids that grew up in punk that are now like you know putting on shows and helping out bands and kind of building up a, a really cool scene there. So it, it's, it's an exciting time, I think for, for Philly. That's great. And, and, and any other ones? I mean, you've listed off a bunch, which I have uh, meticulously written most of them down. Uh, um, and the, so the, the two bands that I mentioned uh, from Scranton who are no longer active bands, but you can definitely track down their stuff. The swims and okay. Patty. Um, I mean, still are two, two of my favorite bands that I still listen to all the time. Um, and are definitely worth checking out. How, how would you describe them? Um, so the swims were that sort of like power pop uh, indie sort of oh, yeah, garage right. band, and uh, and okay, Patty just like 
incredible melodies, incredible like indie rock sort of like like middle ground leisure pavement sort of stuff. Really great. Cool. Ben, thank you so much for doing this. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Nothing that I do ever seems to make a change